Dry Land is a production of the Z Theatre Company and Adam Frost Benrick. Today's program is entitled Episode 1, Skin. Charles Darwin once said that blushing is the most peculiar and most human of all expressions. I don't know what he meant by that. I've never read the book it was in. It was something they told me at the lab to explain why they'd given me such rosy cheeks. So, pardon that interruption, but I'm supposed to make something every day, so 
Hi, my name is Will, Will Hughes, and this is a story about how I got that name, among other things, because it probably wasn't the name I was born with. I actually don't know the name I was born with, so it could have been, but that's a long story. Well, and I guess I should be telling it now, because that's what this is for, but, you know, uh, brain. So, first a bit about me, I guess. I am, as far as anyone can tell, 20 years old, and I am a freshman at Windler University in Ohio. And no, I didn't take a gap year. That's what everyone assumes when you're 20 and a freshman, but I didn't. I just sort of had an exceptionally slow upbringing. Or maybe exceptionally quick, given that my entire K-12 curriculum was crammed into about two years. So, yeah. Here's me. I was born sometime about 20 years ago, but even that's up for grabs, I guess, because that's just what people at the facility told me. That's what the records say. Well, the records that I've been allowed to look at. And I guess that's the trouble of only knowing yourself through what people say about you. You never really know what's made up or real, but I'm trying to be an optimist these days, so I'm willing to take people at their words. Anyway, I was born about 20 years ago, and I know I was born a human, a human baby. I know that at birth I weighed 9 pounds and 9 ounces. I was a very chubby baby, but... From about, well, actually, I don't know how old I was. I lived for several years, well, for most of my years, actually, as a, uh, a sea monster. Yeah, that's right, sea monster. You know, like pirates and boats and vasty, scurvy, and that kind of stuff. Well, no, I'm lying. I wasn't a sea monster. Not technically. I was a lake monster. I lived in Lake Erie, and I hung out in its surrounding town for most of my early life. The town was called Davenport, and it was named after a man called Phineas Davenport, who was a Scottish explorer who set up a horse butchering plant there in 1871. And by the time that horse steaks fell out of fashion with... Ohioans in 1980, the town had become a, a fashionable place for rich families to buy second homes. But, you know, every luxury has consequences. For instance, if you pay to go parasailing, you may have a seagull urinate on you. And if you buy a house in Davenport, Ohio, up until a few years ago, you would have had to deal with the Davenport Lake Monster. And that's me, friends. Well, now I say friends... I'd like to assume we're friends, because it's frankly comforting to me, and I hope it's alright by you listening at home. Regardless, as I said, I was the Davenport Lake Monster from the time I was a baby. Or at least a toddler. Which is a shame, because I think I would have been a really cute baby. If I had baby pictures, I'd like to go through them with my parents, if I'd known my parents, and just said... Oh, I was such a cutie, I had such fat whittle wags, and I'd say whittle and not little because that's what I understand people do when talking about babies. 
And everybody asks me, you know, what was it like to be a sea monster? I use the term sea monster instead of lake monster because it's an umbrella term, and I frankly think it sounds cooler. People will ask me, you know, Will, how can a flesh and blood human baby become an amphibious fish person? And I don't really understand the particulars of it. Science is baffling. But I know that the facility I've spent the last two years in is a subsidiary of a company called Villa Americana. And I know that when I was born, uh, my parents gave me to this company because they were doing some really important scientific research. I'm not sure what kind, only that it was deemed to be extremely important and that the research caused my skin to become scaly and for me to grow gills alongside lungs. And, you know, I won't blame Villa Americana for what happened because I understand that science is important and that sometimes things happen that you're not prepared for. And I'm all right with that. I really am. And I know that when I got too big for the tank I was in, they put me out into the lake so I could... Uh, you know, live a really happy and free life. I was a wonder of nature, I think, for a few years. And it's quite freeing to be a wonder of nature. Or it's prestigious, anyhow. Anyway, we don't need to get into my time as a sea monster right now because I don't really remember all that much of it. And that's the thing. You know, back when I was a monster, I really had no need for memory because every day was kind of the same. You know, wake up, find a fish to eat, swim a bit, eat more fish, repeat, 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 rinse, repeat, you know. And then in the winter, I would curl up under a porch because it was warmer. And Dr. Ballard says that over time, I could remember more things if I try. Dr. Ballard is uh, Dr. Jane Ballard. She's my psychiatrist. Villa Americana thought it would be a good idea for me to have a psychiatrist about three months after they turned me back into a human. I'm sorry, that's a bit of a jump. I'm a human, again. I'm glad to be human, again. I was turned into a human, uh, again, by the company after I was captured by the Davenport police. I was stabbed in the shoulder, and the police showed up and took me off. But before anything else could happen, the company came in and said, This one's ours, and so I went to live in the facility again, where they managed to get rid of my scales and gills and all that other... Jazz, and they gave me a series of tutors, and they brought me a whole bunch of really fancy books, and they gave me someone who taught me to speak English from square one, and I think I do a good job of it most of the time. And they even gave me an apartment on the company property until I was ready to move on, and when I was, they said, all right, well, what do you want to do with your life? And I said, well, I don't know. And they said, well, what do you think you'd like to do? And I said, guess I'd like to find out. And so they said, well, would you like to go to college? And I said, sure, college sounded nice. They only had three films to watch in the facility, and one of them was a little number called Love Story, which taught me a great many things about love and stories. And even if it meant that I would contract ovarian cancer after college, I was still willing to roll the dice and go. So... The company set me up with a full four-year ride to Windler U and gave me, among other things, a social security number, phone plan, and a bank account. And I've been advised not to share any of those in this. So, 
All they asked was that I signed just a, you know, a little piece of paper that said that I waived all rights in perpetuity to know about the parameters of the experiment. And really, I was okay with that because think about everything that I was getting in return. So, you know, I'm a really good deal maker. And then finally it was time for me to go and they said, you'll have to make up a birth certificate in order to get all these things. And to have that, I would need to name myself. And they said, look at this computer keyboard and type out a name that you think you'd like. And so for just a moment, uh, rather than William Hughes, my name was X3MPC ampersand Q. But they told me that that name was illegal. So they said, why don't you pick a name that other people will have? It'll help you not stand out. So I picked the name William out of a list of historically popular names, and they said, what about a last name? And I said, human. William Human. And they said, right, well, that may be a little too on the nose. And I said, what about Hugh-man? And they said, what about Hughes? And I said, okay. And so I became William Lindsay Hughes. And Lindsay was because Dr. Ballard had been listening to a lot of Lindsay Buckingham albums, and it was the only name she could think of. And I liked the name. I liked the name X3MPC ampersand Q. I'm fine either way. I want to tell you about my last night at the facility. This was the night before I went off to college, and I was in my little apartment space that they had made for me watching TV. Dr. Ballard says that it's imperative that I watch as much television as possible so that I can deal with the real world and be a well-adjusted member of society. So I was in my apartment adjusting myself for the benefit of society when there was a knock at the door. And I said, it's unlocked. And really it wouldn't have mattered if it wasn't because most of the staff in the facility has a key in case they need to come in and, you know, check the wiring or take my rectal temperature. But it was Dr. Ballard and she said, so, how are you feeling about tomorrow? And I said, I'm ready for it. Why, do we need to have a session about it? No, she said, uh, not really. She said that we would still keep in touch bi-weekly after my discharge. And she said if I wanted, we could schedule our first appointment. But actually the reason she'd come by was because she wanted to give me a present. And I couldn't remember having been given a real present before. Of course, I knew about them, because one of the other films that the facility had given me was How the Grinch Stole Christmas with Jim Carrey. So Dr. Ballard came in, and she had this beautiful little suitcase. And she said, this is for you. And I said, it's very nice. I suppose I've always wanted a suitcase. And she said, it's not just the suitcase, it's what's inside the suitcase. And I said, can I still keep the suitcase? And she said, yes, but please open it. And I did. And inside, I found a few sets of outfits, all of them very stylish, I'd like to think, and some socks with little pigs stitched into them. I love these, I told Dr. Ballard. Thank you so much. You're welcome, she said. I'm really proud of you, Will, for going out there like this. I really think college will do you some good, although I think maybe you and I should have a talk about safety. Has anyone told you about condoms yet? Condoms? No, no one had told me about condoms. And so, for the next few hours, Dr. Ballard explained pretty much everything I'd need to know about the adult world. Always wear a condom, watch what you drink, never do heroin, that sort of a thing. We can go over more in our next session, she said. I'm sure you'll have all sorts of questions. I'm sure I will, I said. Well, said Dr. Ballard, before you do go off, I'd like for you to have a haircut. 
I've made you an appointment with the barber tomorrow morning. I can drive you if you want. Sure, I said. And I realized I'd never actually had a haircut before, but I was excited to try one. And so Dr. Ballard told me goodnight, and then she shook my hand, and then she left me and I locked the door behind her. And even though it was my last night in this apartment, I really didn't feel too sad about that. I mean, I loved the old place, but, like, I, you know, I was ready to leave. So I just laid down on my little twin bed, and then I sat back up and looked at myself in the mirror on the wall. I'd never really looked at myself before. I looked at my eyes, you know, I, I ran my hand through my hair. I felt the spaces between my fingers, which were now unwebbed. I wiggled my toes, which were also unwebbed. My fingernails were no longer claws. My teeth were filed down from fangs, and my skin was free of scales. It was still a little jagged in some places, where there had once been scales, but for the most part it was smooth, with hair growing from my arms and my chest. And I laid back on the bed and looked at my fingerprints. When I'd been turned back into a human, the people at the company told me that every fingerprint in the world is unique, but that when I had been turned into a sea monster, I had actually lost my particular fingerprint. And what this meant was that they had turned me back into a human with a replica of someone else's fingerprints, which means that if that person ever commits a crime, I could be blamed for it and vice versa. And so for the sake of this other person, I have decided not to commit crimes. I spent the rest of the night just listening to music. There's a song I like by this guy, David Blue, called These 23 Days in September. I listened to it over and over again on repeat because it was soothing. And then when I decided I was really relaxed, I just turned the light off and went to sleep. The next morning, I got dressed the way Dr. Ballard had suggested, picking out the most stylish of clothes that she'd bought me, and then, before I put them on, I took her advice, and also put on a condom, because really, it is always safe to wear one. Then I left the facility, followed by a team of scientists. No one said any goodbyes as I drug my little suitcase out, but that was okay, because I knew they were thinking it. I got into Dr. Ballard's car and packed up my suitcase, and it was nice out. Warm. A little humid, too, but I didn't mind. Because aside from the daily walks, I almost never went outside. You know, I, I was getting pale. It was too pale. And the entire ride to the barbers, I looked out the window and up to the sky, and it was this beautiful bright blue day, and Dr. Ballard would call to me every once in a while and say, Will, you know, you're not supposed to look at the sun, and I'd say, I know, and I'm sorry, but it's exciting. The barber was an old man with a crooked smile. He sat me down and said, You know any good jokes? And I said, No, I don't. And we were quiet for a minute, and he said, Well, I know a few. You want to hear one? And I said, Yes, more than anything, I would love to hear a joke. And the barber gave me this weird look and said, Okay, so there's this couple, and one day they decide they're going to get a little nasty with each other, you know? I do know, I said. And so the man takes out a condom, and the woman says, Honey, put that away. I, I really think we should try and have children. 
And so the man unwraps the condom and she says, didn't you hear me? And he says, yeah, put this over your head. It's the only way I can stand to look at you. And the barber started laughing like crazy. And Dr. Ballard let out a very loud sigh. And the barber said to me, do you get it? And I said, yeah, I do. I love condoms. I'm wearing one right now. We didn't say much after that, but I left looking great and feeling great. Dr. Ballard and I went to her car and she said, so how does it feel to leave? And I said, you know, it's a lot of things. It's scary and it's amazing and terrifying and super exciting all at once, but I can't wait to see the world and meet all these interesting people. And she said, have you thought about what you'll study yet? And I said I hadn't thought about it, but I'd take some classes and figure it out. Dr. Ballard said she thought that was probably a good idea. And then we drove on. Windler University is about an hour away from the facility and sort of in the middle of nowhere. It's a collection of mostly beautiful old buildings, and I get to live in one of them called Parency Hall. Parency Hall, according to the brochure given, was named after Joshua Parency, a late 19th century logging industrialist who cleared all the lumber away from the town. And I have a roommate in Parency Hall, too. It's a guy called Noah Trent. Noah is from a couple towns over and likes to hang posters all over the wall. He tells me one day he's going to be a printmaker and that he's studying art. And as I was moving in, he eyed my suitcase and said, is that all you brought? And I said, should I have brought less? And Noah shrugged and said, it makes no diff to me, man. And I said, diff? Like, difference, said Noah, but shorter. And then Noah explained to me that because he'd grown up not far from here, he knew something about Joshua Parency that wasn't included in the brochure. Apparently, Parency had been strangled and then decapitated by his wife and mistress after they found out they had both gotten pregnant by him on the same day. And I didn't tell Noah this, but it made me realize once again that day that Dr. Ballard was right. Condoms really are a good safety measure. Dry Land was created, written, and performed by Adam Frost Venrick and produced by Mr. Frost Venrick and the Z Theatre Company. This week's original song was called Skin That I Live In. Please tune in next week for another episode. And thank you for listening.